Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to your weekly dose of newsy infotainment. It's Let's Be Treasonable, coming to you from various places in Los Angeles, including Treasonable Studios, with your cognitive dissidents on the panel this week. He is an artist and a comedian you've seen on Comedy Central. You can catch him on The Greatest Pod and his current YouTube channel, Reboot It, both of those on YouTube. Mm. Always a pleasure to have him with us. Mr. Ed Greer, welcome, sir. Oh, David, I think this is a good week to have me on. Me and uh, <laughs> the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, this is a, I think this is a good week to have us on, man. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's always a good week to have y'all on, but you are some very busy people. So I am, uh, I am always honored when I can get you on the show, especially on such auspicious <laughs> occasions, such as this, not to boil it down to, Hey, it's my black friends. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, cause I mean, I know sometimes it, it seems like that. It's like, Oh shit, serious black stuff in the news. Got it. You know? And fortunately, uh, for a lot of it, you guys have been available or made time to be on the show. So thank you for being here, Ed. The other one, as you have heard her referred to, she is also a comedian, a writer, an actress, and a trekker. You know her from the movie Trivia Schmodown, also on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, always a pleasure to introduce Clee Wiggins. Welcome, Clee. Hey, guys. Yeah, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> was was that a diehard reference, by the way? <laughs> no, shoot not the glass. <laughs> it's like one of I think in you know not to just go off the rails talking about a Christmas movie in June, but one of the the greatest like racial jokes in a movie that huh? is not acknowledged by a lot of people. It just slips by. Is Zayden Johnson. No, the uh, other yeah. one. Special Agent Johnson. This is my partner, Special Agent Johnson. No relation. <laughs> but when uh, <laughs> when he's on the phone later, he's like, no, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of classic. Well, it would be a full panel with just Ed and Clee here. But as always, we are also joined by comedian, scholar, and the Black Voice of Reason. Always a pleasure to introduce Mr. Time and Ship. Welcome, sir. Hey, power to the people, Dave, and happy Juneteenth, damn it. Indeed. Please, yeah. <laughs> free. Yeah, well, and I've I've been trying to do my part to learn more about the holiday. And I know there are a lot of people who think it, it's kind of new. This is actually the 156th year of celebrating uh -huh. Juneteenth. Don't call it a comeback. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> little, little advice from from Mr. <laughs> Mr. Cool J. <Jay. laughs> Mr. Cool but Jay. it's you know I was, I, <laughs> you like that? which is true. That's the way you should address him. He has been rocking the mic for years. Yeah, for yeah. of fear for thirty five years. You know, <laughs> yeah. He he was doing stuff before the NCIS universe. So uh, for the kids out there, yeah, which is a show that I love because I'm an old lady. I love NCIS. <laughs> I you know can't say I've gotten into it, but I I do have other procedurals oh, it's, it's that everything you want it to be. 
<laughs> yeah, well, so far, but I want it to be a something I don't have time to watch. So it truly <laughs> is. <laughs> it's not so much what I want, but the you know, I mean, like everybody, I got I'm I'm already watching too much, and I've yeah. I've got stuff stacked up, not to move off of Juneteenth, which is uh, a holiday that was created back when portmanteaus were used for things that were more important than celebrity relationships. But uh, mm-hmm. have have you guys seen Loki yet? Yes. Two episodes? Holy crap. The one complaint, and it's not really a complaint, but of the, uh, the Disney plus Marvel series so far. Mm-hmm. I I would say my biggest issue is, so it's, a, it's a, a six to eight hour long movie that's broken up in the episodes. And, Island, you know, yeah. we, yeah, like we should have such complaints about every show. Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, not complaining, but it, uh, it is Juneteenth. There is a lot going on. Uh, president Biden took a little trip to Europe, met with Putin in Switzerland and of course, wackiness going on at home. So lots to talk about, but first a message from our sponsors at community spread. <laughs> it's morning in America. And people are waking up to the great taste of community spread. I kind of want toast, but it can be so boring. Butter, margarine, jams, jellies. I want something new. Here, try this. It's community spread. But you've already taken a bite out of it. What are you, smooth down there? Try it. Whoa, that's sick. But what's in it? (laughs) What's in community spread? We're still waiting for the CDC to let us know. Well, it's deli- Wait, did he just say the CDC? That's right. Community spread. Available at... Actually, I don't know where I got it. No, but seriously, back to that CDC thing. And it's not just for toast. Pancakes, waffles, sandwiches. Why, there's no telling where it'll show up. Community spread isn't recommended for older adults or people with chronic health conditions. Stop using community spread if you've experienced difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, persistent pain or pressure in the chest, bluish lips or face, new confusion, or an inability to arouse. Community spread. From the folks who brought you, I can't believe I'm not better. It's the toast-topping sensation that's sweeping the nation, and there's nothing you can do about it. And new from the makers of Community Spread, it's Unmitigated Spread Variants. If you barely acknowledged Community Spread before, try Unmitigated Spread Variants. The UK variant goes great with period dramas and tea with milk in it. The California variant, made with avocados from Mexico. And the Brazilian variant that goes down so smooth it's like there's nothing there. Unmitigated Spread Variants. It's time for another peak. And I'm not, I'm not saying it is time for another peak, but you look at what's happening with the virus here in America. We've, we've now got like an outbreak of something they're calling the Delta variant, which is crazy because I thought those guys were on double secret probation, but the, the, the ones who are getting hospitalized currently because of COVID are the unvaccinated. So I don't know who could have saw that coming, but amazingly enough, uh, yeah, it's so weird. All these anti-maskers in parts of the country where they were revolting against, you know, this is, how does this tie in Juneteenth, like celebrating the true 
and not necessarily the emancipation because it was more the acknowledgement <laughs> of the emancipation. People ask uh, why it's called Juneteenth. It, it's because you're just telling us now sounds too Jewish. So Juneteenth <laughs> went with that. But yeah, you're you know, right much like Marjorie Taylor Greene having to take an enforced uh, field trip to the Holocaust Museum last week because of some stupid <laughs> shit she said about masks. For all these people who, oh, this is worse than Nazi Germany and we're being oppressed and like pay attention to the calendar. Uh, it's Juneteenth. Want to know what like true celebration of emancipation is about. And as we're seeing with all the arrests uh, resulting from the January 6th insurrection, uh, once again, these folks are celebrating the losers. It's like, you didn't, you didn't take the note from the whole Civil War thing. Uh, and, and being a Cubs fan, I understand what it is to, to celebrate the underdog and, and the, the constant losers. But yeah, baseball... Totally different thing. Uh, the, the losers in the Civil War do not deserve to be celebrated. Just to, and they're not the underdog either. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, they you know they they are the minority, but they've gained the system enough to to hold power and yeah. So illegitimate winners, if you will. So today it is the 25th Saturday of the new year. And being the 19th of June, that also means it's national watch day, which I had to look up. Uh, it's actually like a day celebrating wristwatches. Cause I thought it was sort of, I, I thought it might be like, Oh, this is like the white response to Juneteenth. It's like, Hey, black people are celebrating better watch them. National watch day brought to you by white people uh but no it's it's celebrating uh, uh wristwatches which i i still wear one so hooray for that also uh national garfield the cat day as opposed to other garfields because i guess the uh the comic strip premiered today uh in premiered in syndication today in 1978 so way to try and steal the thunder jim davis <laughs> well uh you know, they say that that old joke of, uh, I won't do it. But the bottom line is, uh, Garfield was a really slick cartoon for its day. Or rather, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it was a really slick comic strip. And it, it, like, graduated the form in regards to, like, how round stuff could be. Kids and old people, and especially people looking at those type of uh, comic strips at the time, love round shapes. And everything in that is round. John's face is round. The Nermal's round. Garfield himself is round. Odie's round in certain aspects and stuff. Or, or he's, he's, you know what I'm saying? Well, but he's like, got those big respect, eyeballs. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and whoever That's thought your of artist the, eye. No. And whoever thought of that, those sticky things to put them on windows. Oh, genius. dude. Yeah. That was, that was peak merchandising in the, uh, in the early eighties. That was how you could tell someone was getting older. They went from the Garfield in the window to uh, the baby on board uh, suction cup sticker in the window. And then both mm. of them, because the kid liked the, the Garfield. The circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as, long as we're, we're off the rails on, on cartoons and, and comic book stuff, something people have been talking about. And before we get into the serious shit for the week, uh, I, I think it's it's worth 
mentioning the the slight conflict over the uh, DC. I guess it's now going to be airing on HBO Max because they folded the uh, the DC television streaming thing. But on the uh, on the show, Harley Quinn network nixed a scene where Batman is going down on Catwoman, saying heroes don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I that's stupid. Um, and I love like that's why the tweet from, I mean, whatever your problems may be with him, that tweet from Zack Snyder, where he tweeted out <laughs> an image of lit of I think it's from a book for of Batman literally going down on Catwoman, but and he's like it's canon, and then his only caption was canon. So <laughs> like. However you feel about Zack Snyder as a director, that was peak chef's kiss. Yeah. Savage Twitter post. Like, so that was a great call. I I was wondering when DJ college started writing for, for Batman, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, Listen. like, you know, uh, another important lesson for the day, kids or, yeah, it's like a hero, like, you know, it's so stupid, like, a hero doesn't do that. A hero can do anything. Literally, that's wow. the kind of word that's from a hero. Butt so, stuff? you know, <laughs> butt stuff. Anything. You know, With consent. Down, With consent. That's, all that. that's what makes them heroes. <laughs> well, 69 is a heroic position, because that shit sucks. <laughs> If your if the torsos don't match up, sixty nine is just somebody's getting a neck cramp. Is really what's going to happen. But if the torsos match up, then it's great. I, I feel you like know, we should have, have the have like this is where the, the torso to genital ratio. Otherwise, you know, and you can't have somebody whose jaw to mouth ratio was too long or too short. Otherwise, what you're, time is it? It's 11 20. It's already into the torso of the 69. It's only morning for us. It's a mathematical equation, and it's, you know, it's a little bit of geometry. And it's, you know. I I think we need to do like a new series of uh, the NBC The More You Know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that episode of um, Silicon Valley when it was like when they were talking about the dick to dick ratio and like how many people what's the max how to maximize a group of dudes sucking each other's dick (laughs) in like the most efficient way possible and a part of it came into the height differential and the ratio between dick to floor and dick to torso to the top of the head wow (laughs) it's it's not tv kids it's hbo (laughs) Listen, a lot of us got our first sexual educations from HBO, so let's just put that out there. No, I am uh, I am a fan of educational <laughs> programming. Back before I moved to L.A., when I was bartending in Chicago, I, I was working at a, a bar restaurant, and it was in the lobby of the building where the Playboy offices were. It was a split office residential building. So normally, you know, 6 o'clock, you'd have a mix of people – coming in who were getting off of work from upstairs and people who lived in the building who were getting home from work. And that was like, you know, your regular bar crowd. And then there were some folks who would like stick around, have dinner sitting at the bar 
enjoyed the conversation, the company, what have you. And we had a TV on the bar. HBO was part of the building's in-house cable system. So we had HBO. And a couple of my friends who worked up at Playboy, Wednesday was like production day. So they would always work late and then come down, have dinner at the bar, and we had The Sopranos on the TV by request. And this this became like a regular thing uh, with like the regulars and the waitresses like eventually figured out whisper orders at the bar when everyone's watching TV. It was kind of, it was, it was a community building thing. And one night after The Sopranos and a lot of people had taken off and there was just one table left in the restaurant and uh, the, the woman gets up to use the restroom and the, the guy is sitting there just kind of looking around the restaurant and I see him like looking towards the bar and then his face like scans over towards the TV and he just got this look of horror on his face. And I realized, oh, Oz is on after The Sopranos. And uh, as I turned to look at the TV, there was there was a big old prison rape scene going on, which thank God they were done eating because okay, from, from the look on his face would not have enhanced America, the meal. Though, because oh, like, no, it's, the it's violence a, of the Sopranos, totally fine. Each dinner, it's all good. Uh, gay prison sex. Oh, my God. My stomach. My appetite. All right. <laughs> let's everybody settle down. Because one is like something that, you know, in some way, I mean, prison sex is it's its own thing. But sex in general as a thing is just natural to human beings. Violence, while natural to human beings, is not something that we should necessarily glamorize. I feel like that's just a problem with America. He needs to eat his hamburger and <laughs> simmer down now. Well, it was it was a, a Pan Asian restaurant, so there may have been sushi consumed right, uh, right before. Which his ramen, his ramen burger, then whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it was on when the Sopranos were on, that's probably the height of the ramen burger craze. No, I don't think we were there yet. This was uh, this was ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Like, you know, yeah, way back, way back when. Speaking of time, we are 151 days into the Biden administration. And as of today, we've got. Timpani. 601,183 Americans dead from the coronavirus. Crossed that 600,000 line this week. And 33,497,177 confirmed cases with about 176.3 million people having gotten at least one dose of the vaccine with about 148.5 million of them fully vaccinated, including the four people currently on this Skype call. So, uh, and I do want to say, because we've been pointing this out in the shows, because it has been wonderful to get back into the studio and, you know, you just, you can't beat that dynamic of, of everybody in the same room, but yeah. And I, this isn't me guilt tripping. This isn't, you know, <laughs> Are you sure? No, I'm positive because I, <laughs> I I prefer to think of it as a teachable moment. No, it's it's I, I think it's it's somewhat pertinent. Um, the reason uh, that you guys asked to to do it from home is because you are going to uh, a Juneteenth uh, celebration barbecue party mm-hmm. thing, which 
awesome and not to and i'm bringing the mac and cheese i I gotta bake off you know i still gotta make it i haven't even started it yet so So, well i was gonna ask because normally i i take the lead (laughs) on making this into a cooking show but (laughs) you you know you had mentioned that you're making your your mac and cheese which i already know i haven't had it and i'm i'm pretty proud of mine (laughs) but i've seen pictures i've i've read descriptions and recipes online so (laughs) I I know yours is better than mine. So what's no, I'm I'm not doing the what's the secret, but I I give away my secrets. I don't care because you're still not going to replicate it the way I do. <laughs> so you can have the recipe. I don't care. No. So what <laughs> you you're you're you know you're, you're like I gotta make I gotta make mac and cheese for for yeah, this Juneteenth uh, thing we're going little, to. Oh God. <laughs> And but it's every day with this. No, I mean, I, you know, you I mean, do? I get yeah, it. I'm not hearing it every day, but Clee, like, <laughs> you know, tell, tell us your process. Like, you know, describe, I, give us the, the so, cooking show rundown. So, um, I, I find the best way to describe it, even though this is not how I started like making it. I think it's just because like she does it a very classic way. And I do it a very kind of classic way. If you're familiar with Patty LaBelle's, mac and cheese recipe mine is very similar the only difference is i don't she puts velveeta in hers and i don't but only because i didn't grow up on velveeta like my mom didn't use it nobody in my family really uses it but it's that but that's actually very common though in like southern style because i make a southern style baked mac and cheese what no government Um, cheese (laughs) <laughs> I didn't grow up on the government cheese, nor did I grow up on Velveeta. I mean, we weren't rich, but we weren't poor, so we could afford, you know, your craft, your Tillamook, you know. See, wow. a lot of stuff, I mean, like, I grew up with, like, traditional Jewish recipes in the home, mm-hmm. you know, and then, I mean, my folks owned a restaurant before I was born. So, I learned, you know, they taught me how to cook, and then they had all, like, the big standard recipes, like, my mom having no blood uh made a ma- i mean she had blood just no italian mm-hmm. blood uh but yeah made like amazing italian dishes and my dad always referred to uh stuff like kasha varnishkas as jewish soul food you know that's like uh yeah. bow tie noodles with with the buckwheat with the onion i mean good stuff but yeah it's i love that, jewish like, food i made it a mission over quarantine to learn how to make matzo ball soup because it's with my like probably my hands down. I would say it's probably my favorite soup. It's, and I I made it a couple times over quarantine. I'm very happy with my results. I was like, this is delicious. Yeah, you and know? like a lot of I well, I, I, I wouldn't balls. even say I a lot a bag of, of frozen matzo balls in my freezer right now. Nice. I would say like <laughs> all all of the southern recipes I know or anything related, I learned in or after college when i when i lived in missouri and then you know central illinois i went i went to missouri from chicago not knowing what biscuits and gravy were you know i'm like 18 years i look back now and it's like 18 years old and you didn't know what biscuits i saw it on a menu and i was thinking like okay biscuits but then like brown like turkey gravy or something and someone's like no dude you need to try this and like changed my life. Then I learned how to make them. And then, uh, especially after moving out to LA wound up with a lot of friends from Texas. So I got a lot of Tex-Mex in what I do. And my Mac and cheese is basically like, cause my Texan friends, whenever we're getting together, they always insist that I make queso. 
So my my mac and cheese is basically like an outreach of, oh, holy shit, there's actually leftover queso? Well, let's put some macaroni in there. Well, yeah, like I do a bechamel with my mac and cheese, but I also add in like shredded cheese and stuff like that. So yeah. it's a mix. So I make a bechamel, which is, you know, a bechamel is like a roux with you add milk and then you add cheese mm-hmm. to it. So, and, and then you do I, but I like add a cheddar so for I, your I bechamel? Them, and I use at least four cheeses and it varies. The two staples that I always use are some type of cheddar and some type of Parmesan because I do a Parmesan crust. Ooh. But everything else like kind of changes, but it kind of stays the same. So it's like a Munster or and a Gruyere or a Emmentaler, which is type of a Swiss cheese and a mozzarella. Nice to make it like very gooey. See what I mozzarella, do? Like yeah. has that stretchy. I add so, I add pepper um, jack to my queso, yeah. and that gives it like a a, a little more heat. But a, a richness that you don't just get with the Velveeta and and Rotel. Yeah. So yeah, so I think that's where like the the bechamel sort of is a replacement for um, using Velveeta because Velveeta will make it very creamy. Yeah, and then my other like inspiration for for doing a baked mac and cheese, and you know because a lot of people panko that's their go to stovetop yeah. stuffing mix. And you get that mix uh, of like the, I thought that has a little too much sodium. So I do use panko, but I get I get where you're coming from. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, it's that like blend of the the sage stuffing taste and the the heat from the queso yeah. and and then my other two see here's my two, three of my here's my three biggest secrets. One, I put mustard powder and nutmeg in my bechamel, and two, I put lemon zest in my panko parmesan crust. Ah. So it adds a brightness on the top. So it cuts a lot of that richness that you get when you dig in. You have a little bit of lemony flavor, but you can't like, it's not super detectable, but it just cuts it just a smidge. So you don't feel like you have a gut bomb, even though you still are going to have a gut bomb. It's still going to sit in the bottom of your stomach and then come out to butthole later, but it doesn't uh, feel like it at the time. No, you know, you know, you've got like a good recipe when lactose intolerant people are, are coming up to you going, I don't care. I'm eating this. Yeah. Like, yep. Which I've had. <laughs> um, and I've, I have had people do that and I've had people and then I, uh, I've only done it like once or twice, but I, I have an idea for a, um, actually it's, it turned out to be vegan. I was only trying to make it vegetarian, but it's actually a vegan version that you can do. And I use. You can use do it with coconut milk and cauliflower and or cauliflower in place of the bechamel, and it totally works. My cousin has a recipe for a cauliflower Alfredo sauce. So I basically just took that and made a mac and cheese with it, and it totally works. Wow. Yeah, and also, I, I haven't had them, but I've heard there like some vegan bullshit. cheeses that are actually – I've heard some of them are actually good and, and cook well. Yeah, but they don't melt well. That's the problem. They might taste good, but they don't melt good. So when you try to bake it, it doesn't really work. It's They're fine for a stovetop mac and cheese, kind of. But they don't work for a baked mac and cheese, necessarily. They get a little grainy. Good to know. Yeah. And, folks, another, the more you know. <laughs> well, it has been an interesting week. Juneteenth, I, I think it 
it's interesting the way it became a federal holiday this week that there there were what 14 republicans in the house who voted against it becoming a federal holiday but then uh-huh. it, it passed the senate unanimously yeah which just got me to thinking like was it all of the republicans that voted for it or just most of them that voted in favor while thinking maybe now this will shut them up. I think it's the latter. They're cynical. They think we're that stupid. They think we're that complacent. I fully so, agree. And I think, yeah, you know, it's also, they, I mean, I've seen sort of two schools of thought on, as far as like the public's reaction to that. Like, yeah, thank you for get, recognizing Juneteenth as a federal holiday. Um, but at, you know, they also passed the, uh, making violence against Asian Americans a crime, a hate crime, which is great. But I feel like some people have been felt bitter about that. Like, oh, they just gave us Juneteenth to shut us up and they passed an actual hate crime bill. I think some people don't realize there's already, I believe, a hate crime bill against violence for violence against, you know, I think we're already recognized against a broader black people, I should say, are recognized as part of a broader hate crime bill and not a specific one. But that I guess we wanted this. I guess some people want a specific one, but nobody's ever bothered to put forth legislation for that, and nobody's pushed for that specifically. So I don't. I, I just I find people's reaction to certain things a little bit troubling. Well, like, I, oh, they're trying to they're trying to make us complacent with the Juneteenth thing. See, but that's and I think there is some cynic, you know, some valid cynicism there, but there's also some expression of that cynicism is inaccurate. And I don't, I don't know. No, I think if, if, if Democrats were like hanging up the mission accomplished banner on this, then the the cynics on the left would be absolutely justified. But I think in in a way, as much of a pain in the ass as they are, I, I think it's good to have that pressure on politicians to let them know like, okay, this, this is a good start. Yeah, you have to tell them because not to diminish like the hate crime bill for Asian Americans because it is absolutely necessary. This last year has shown us anything, you know, that it was absolutely necessary. And I feel like I, you know, I've heard this from some of my, and not to say like, oh, you know, like how white people say I have a black friend, I have Asian American friends. <laughs> um, they like as a as a whole, like a, there's such a much. There's such a it's such a wide diaspora for Asian Americans because that that continent is so huge and what encompasses what can what constitutes an Asian American is so vast and their their culturally are so different. And I grew up in San Francisco, where the Asian American community community is very large. It's mostly Chinese, but there's very large Japanese, Korean American, and Viet, Vietnamese Americans there. Much smaller on the Southeast Asian side of it. So I, I, but like of the, of the ones that most people in there, when they think of Asian Americans, think of, you think of Korean, Chinese, Japanese for the most part, and maybe Vietnamese people. And I'm, I think I've, I've been, I was lucky enough to grow up in the middle of it so that I can, those subtle, like those differences that seem subtle to some people are very, that are very wide to others. So I, you know, I love that, but. Yeah, I think it it just needs to be more all encompassing. I think this is just a step forward for everybody. I think we need to look at everything that happens 
when these types of bills get passed as just a little bit of a subtle shift in the narrative that makes it better for everybody. And it's still, and but also a call to like keep fighting. Yeah. I, and I think that's the key. And uh, especially with technology and social media, you know, we are seeing things moving faster. So we, we were talking on, on the show last week, how, you know, I, it's cause last week, was it last week or the week before? I think it was last week was loving day and uh-huh. that it's, it's only been fully, you know, legal for mixed race marriages since 1967. Uh-huh. And that's, that's pretty recent, especially, you know, when you look at the whole swath of American history, so for, uh, you know, for, for this to be the 156th Juneteenth and it's just now getting recognized as a federal holiday, it's like, okay, that, that has taken a long time. But if you look at it in terms of since the last stride, you know, the, the duration between steps forward is shortening and it's, you know, yeah. it, it could be a lot shorter. Well, I, I think uh, what's, what blows me away, I, I was doing an open mic the other day, and I, I'm talking to one of the guys was 80 years old. He had never heard of Jim Crow, and he didn't know what Juneteenth was. There was only one white dude in the group of comedians that were there who actually knew what Juneteenth was. There are but is an 80-year-old white dude? Yeah, he didn't know what oh, Juneteenth was. never heard was. of Jim Crow. And hadn't heard of Jim Crow either. And then Where there, grow there up, were, Oregon. Probably. <laughs> and then and but but the the killer part was the guy who runs the open mic. He's probably in his forties. You know, uh, he he owns this thing. He said, "Ty, what is Juneteenth?" I said, "You you don't know what Juneteenth is?" I said, "Do you know what redlining is?" No, I don't know what that is either. And I was like, "Where did you guys grow up?" And it's like. And it seems like black people are going to turn into like history professors, you know, because <laughs> they're, they're schooling. There's usually that only that one white dude who gets it. Mm-hmm. So Dave, you'd be that one white dude that gets it. And then the rest of everybody around you would be sitting there going, they don't know nothing. And it's because I said it wasn't meant for you to learn. Black people learned it, but a lot of people, it was suppressed. And so you're going to be doing a lot of explaining of a federal holiday that no one really knows what the hell it is. Well, and I think I, that's one of the, the same t- at, at the, oh, yeah, at the yeah. same time we have people talking about critical race theory and how it's useless. And yet, and first of all, that is not what they would ever teach to little kids. That's like high level law stuff, law school stuff. But the whole, the concept that like the slaves weren't just here on a vacation and decided to stay <laughs> type, you know what I'm saying? Type of education. It's like that, revolutionary that, to these people. And I'm just saying, like, right when we're having that conversation, we get Juneteenth. And like you said, people 40 years old to 80 years old, not knowing that part about our culture because they weren't told it because according to the, the education at the time, that was useless knowledge. For well, but the dude, are, 80 to 40, Juneteenth yeah. is a useless piece of information. Yeah. Well, well the, the daughters of the Confederacy, you can blame them also because they controlled our history books. They were the ones saying that we were happy slaves. Mm. They, well, they were happy enslaved people. There was no, and they took everything out and they made it look like 
You know, it's like the black cowboy. You know, no one knows. I mean, it, it took a, a Jewish friend of mine. His grandson wrote an essay for school on cowboys. And when he got through reading it to the class, they didn't know that the original cowboy was black. But yet you've been seeing John Wayne and, you know, all these guys, you know, it's like finding out that the real Lone Ranger was actually a black dude. That's well, where the story it, came it, from. Yeah, to them, it's like, you know, rap begins and ends with Eminem or House of Pain. <laughs> <laughs> which like, is, which oh, is such a minute. shame because if you're going to go that route, like, fucking third base at least third base yeah <laughs> same thing if i could have pulled that reference if i had it like it's all the same you know all the same like well but you know, no that, i mean that's you're how right the black cowboy like that's how buried the black cowboy is it's like trying to say that third base or like i once i remember years ago this is I, this is, i'll date myself with this reference but i was watching um casey Kasem on like friday night videos or something like that and he was trying was to say America's that blondie invented rap and it was <laughs> even i was like six years old and i was like that sounds like bullshit like <laughs> no yeah Casey, a lot Casey. a lot of people Casey don't Casey know America, like like ryan seacrest is our modern day casey Kasem. blondie and it, actually you know, invented like, but Five I, I think ryan seacrest was like never because he's from atlanta he knows better so but Casey, <laughs> But Casey Kasem tried to say that Blondie invented rap. I, I forgot. And then the guy that he was talking to was just like, uh, so Sugar Hill Gang is, <laughs> Sugar Hill Gang is, you know, because they predate. All right. Because Blondie had one song in which she raps, but she got that. You well, know, and from... she, she name checks Fab Five Freddy in the song. So it's <laughs> like, not only did she create rap, but she also <laughs> made. On this, and then when he got checked on, he was like, uh, "Perhaps my my uh, research was uh, incorrect." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's that that is the the problem with certain like, media outlets. What's that? I think even Blondie, like the lead singer of Blondie, Debbie Harry, would have been like, "Uh, Casey, yeah. <laughs> please don't put that bullshit on me." <laughs> I've, I've got a long distance apology here that reads, "Dear everybody, I'm sorry." <laughs> I'm Casey Kasem. You know what's, uh, again, taking it off the rails, a lot of people don't know Casey did the the voice for Shaggy on the on the old Scooby-Doo cartoons, which I, I mean, he did a lot of cartoon voices. He was Robin mm-hmm. on Super Friends. Uh, but for me, you know, I, uh-huh. I knew he did the voice of Shaggy. And for years, I was trying to, to figure out how to do Shaggy's voice. And despite knowing it was Casey never got the idea that, well, if you already know it's Casey, you start with a Casey Kasem. And then like, you add in a little bit of the hippie lingo and get a little bit looser with your talk. And then like, you throw a falsetto on it. Like you're totally there. (laughs) (laughs) Take that Matthew Lillard. (laughs) Bellissimo. Yeah. Molte grazie. Molte grazie. <laughs> so I, I think it's it's interesting though, uh, I was starting to say at some point that the the recognition of Juneteenth as a federal holiday, I think is sort of it's the subtle backdoor way 
to getting what what a lot of folks know as black history uh, mm-hmm. integrated with what those people know as American history, because at least from 1619 on, black history is American history. And just because it's been left out of the history books, because, you know, written by the victors uh, and the daughters of the Confederacy. So I think making Juneteenth a federal holiday and with a lot of people not knowing what it is, it's it's a great opportunity to sort of like, you know, backdoor the the education you know the the republicans are reacting to what they're broadcasting on fox so was it desantis uh in florida who signed a bill banning the teaching of critical race theory it's like okay no, well, it's texas i thought i mean well, it's, see, but th- that's kind of what i'm talking about it's though. probably like, both ta- of them you're, but you're be talking about you guys were talking about earlier like all the black people have to become these like like historians and mm-hmm. once again, we got to, once again, my brothers, we got to carry the burdens of this country. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, on, man, but I, I think, you know, that part sucks. In the pack mules of history <laughs> over again, that's yeah. in, in another but sense. Not just on, we're also expected, yeah, we're also expected to be sociologists and help why you know, we will navigate their own races. Because we, we got the magical psychologists. Yeah, yeah, we got the magic around racism. Like we're expecting to be historians, sociologists, psychologists, archaeologists, and help <laughs> you know, it's you know, we gotta be all the ologists. Well, and you know, the thing that, all the, thing the oppression that, that was that's supposed to be like the burden that was placed on us. You guys would like it's it's supposed to be white people are supposed to lift the burden on off of us. We're not supposed to carry that burden plus the burden of helping you lift it off. Like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, well, it's know, that white people have to lift the burden off of you. I think it would help <laughs> if they stop putting it on you. Yeah. I, I think yeah. when we start calling stuff, you know, like race theory and all that, you could have left all that out. All you had to do is just flat out talk and inject black history into America. They need to know the history of America. Well, You're this not is telling all of it, but you this is to call it a race theory, but you do have to, you do have to discuss all the shit. Well, this is, this is the thing though, you know, it's, and for all, all the time that, you know, we spend on the show complaining about how much the Democrats suck at messaging. I think this is the one where they got it right. It's, it's the idea of going back to Cleese Mac and Cheese, or not yours, but the a potential vegan alternative, you know, uh-huh. grinding up cauliflower and using that in place of a cheese sauce. This is the sneaking the vegetables into the smoothie so the kids will eat it. For the, for the audience that hated Obamacare but loved all the benefits of the Affordable Care Act, we're not, we're not doing critical race theory here. We're just honoring a long-standing tradition as a holiday and when i'm sorry to interrupt david but way to out yourself though as a just a full-on racist to be like i don't because critical race theory is basically in its essence the the teaching to children and it obviously it's tiered based on their ages i would think i don't think educators are that dumb that uh, you know the way that race impacts 
different lives in America. That's yeah, essentially but, what it is at its core. So to say, I don't want my children to learn that see, just makes you be like, I'm okay with racism. But I That's think, no, I, tells me. I agree with you, but I think it's the way that they're framing it. And it's less uh, a subtle acknowledgement of their racism as much it is a subtle acknowledgement of their complicity in systemic racism, because it's largely, you know, it, it's the old when, you know, well, it's, between it's the truth and the legend, print the legend. And yeah. so a lot of the people that are opposed to the teaching of finger quotes, critical race theory, are are the ones who see it as, oh, well, you're just blaming us. But no, it's showing, um, I, I get that, and I think that's what they see, but that's not what it no, is. I, I agree, I agree, but I think that the point is that because that's how they see it, that is their... A, you know, tacit well, acknowledgement. That's how that comes across to me is doubling down on I'm a racist and I don't want anybody to tell me that I am. I know right, I'm, a, I'm a racist. Is, I know I'm a racist, but please don't call me a racist. But you wouldn't have gotten in trouble. Well, wait a minute. We didn't want black folks didn't create racism. Okay. No. You wouldn't have had this shit if you would just have told the truth, man. You didn't want to tell the truth. You didn't want to share what fully went on in the country. Which is why it's your original, it's the original sin, you know, and you still don't want to acknowledge that the shit actually existed. You, you, you think we just did what we just pulling us out of our ass. No, these, some of these people are still alive. That woman who got the bill through is 94 years old. She's 94. So a lot of these people are still, even the very people who voted against the civil rights bill are still alive. Uh-huh. They, they they didn't want that you got people who voted against making uh, Juneteenth a federal law because they don't want to discuss it just like you did not want black people to thrive and so now guess what it's here and you're going to get it because you know they're not going to you know it, we're not going backwards we're going to all the information is coming through. The books are coming out whether you want to see it or not. Your kids are going to get this information. And whoever those parents are, you better get ready to either open up or you're going to reject it. You either open up and talk about it or you're going to, because black folks are definitely going to tell their kids about it. And I think, I, I think it's just white parents are not because black parents and the, and, and all parents who are parents of color in this country, who have children of color in this country, have had at some point to have a difficult conversation with their child about what it means to be that color in this country, whether it's black parents, Latina parents or Latino parents, Asian parents, all, you know, and even um, especially, and for, and I would say also include uh, first generation immigrants are probably including that conversation because they haven't, you know, even if they're white, they haven't assimilated yet. So they're having those difficult conversations because I went to school also with a lot of kids who were first generation Russian or even Russian immigrants themselves at my high school. And they were ostracized because, you know, their the food they ate was different. They had their they still have their accents. They still have those, you know, long ass last names and unusual first names. So I would even include that that 
that type of person, you know, and if, if you're not, you know, because especially like I would say Russia was was because I had a couple of Irish immigrants and it wasn't quite the same because a lot of the Irish kids knew that they were Irish, even if their people had been in this country 100, 200 years. So, you know, I would say it's all that. And like, I think a lot of white parents and, and I, I would also include to some degree with some of those parents, not most, but a few where a person of color, mar- their their uh, spouse or their uh, the, their co-parent is white, don't want to have that conversation with their kids. Uh, how their white whiteness co- is complicit in the oppression of people of color in this country. They don't want little Timmy to have, they think it's a burden to put on their child, when in fact, it will lift the burden off of other children and it will help Timmy to give him the tools to help those other children. It's not a burden on Timmy to learn that because he's a white child, his race is complicit. Like the race of the people that he comes from was complicit. But what it helps him to do is to have the tools to A, not perpetuate that complicity and B, lift it off the other children that he knows that are his friends because he goes to school with kids of color. But that's not these parents don't see it that way. They just think it's a you're putting a burden on my white child and making him feel guilty for something he had nothing to do with. No, we're giving him the tools to not perpetuate this in the future and to help his classmates. Yeah, not right. do it. as, as there, well as as, as so, well as to say that you know we're so not going to. Uh, yeah, go ahead. That, 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 that you know you can't keep using this whole thing as you know if you you know they don't know what Red Summer was. And when someone asked me about that Red Summer, Red Summer was all over economic jealousy. Black people were just trying to, to do what white people were doing. And then so then you use other races as fear. You know, the rich were using other races as fear. You know, as, uh, you know, you said, oh, they're coming to take our job. No, you want. No, they're not telling you that the rich want the, the that cheap labor. OK, because. Corporations have never wanted to pay you. You can go back as far as the Gilded Age. They don't want to pay you the money. But you blame somebody. I got someone to blame. You know, you 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 created blockbusting. Blockbusting was created behind what? Telling white folks that the black folks are coming. So what do you do? The white folks move. You sell the house for more money to the black people and raise the interest rates. That stuff was written into law they were doing this. There were laws that even though whether it was the GI Bill or whatever, and black people have just tried to fight their way and they have to constantly keep making adjustments. And you ask for one funky holiday. And what are they worried about? Oh, my God, they're going to the truth is going to come out. The truth would have saved you all of this trouble. If you just told the truth, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. You say, yeah, we fucked up. Yeah, it was wrong. And the other thing about it is every economic model, every microeconomic society in which it's been demonstrated shows that the more diverse economically you are on a racial level and every other and sociological level you are, the better the overall society does. So the most diverse cities in this country do the best. That's one of the reasons why New York is so expensive. Not just white people driving up prices. And, I mean, there is gentrification and all that type of stuff is in play. But if you have the more diverse of a society, the more diverse your work environment is, the better everybody does, the better the ideas that come out of that 
work environment are, all of that goes into play, whether it's gender or socioeconomic or racial or whatever. So I don't understand, like, everything says, if we come together, we'll do better. We'd already be in fucking space if we come together. But we're not. And we haven't. And then... And here we are sitting over here, and Elon Musk is going to go blow himself up, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as one uh, noted critical race theorist uh, once once put it, always bet on black. <laughs> I just had to do that, <laughs> but I yeah, I think the the idea is that it's it's about time that and definitely no pun intended uh the the darker parts of american history are brought out into the light and not as a means of blaming anyone but as you were saying clay to help us move forward to basically level the playing field and you know yes this is this is what you were taught but in reality this is what's going on. Well, but also just just real quick, I, I just think it's it's also it's it's they. I think a lot of people, a lot of people, even certain black people, see it as instructive. How uh, people are tired of being lectured about how we we meaning Americans, they meaning you know at the time white Americans and and whoever was complicit in that system drove Native Americans off of this land and enslaved black people to build this country. Everybody over fifth grade knows that on some level in this country right now, for real. But people are tired of hearing it. It becomes an abstract. You know what I'm saying? But then you find the people at the top who find it instructive. Like, there's no way we could have cleared that land by buying it from people legitimately. There's no way. You'd have to genocide that much land up. You'd have to, right? It would be more efficient to genocide it up. And as far as building a labor force, going out and interviewing a bunch of people, I don't know about you, but I don't want to do that. I'll just grab a bunch. <laughs> I'll buy some and I'll grab some and I'll just make them do, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's, it's instructive. It's, it's instructive on how to build a business. It's instructive on how to do it the most efficient way, quote unquote, for them to see they don't want certain kids. They don't want kids, period, to really, not just in the abstract, but to really understand the exploitativeness and how close it is to what's happening right now, like slavery and all that stuff was, I think they want to keep it as for certain people to understand this is how you do it. This is an instructive look at how you actually get over and actually make money because capitalism is, is at its essence exploitative. So th- I think that's, that's the cognitive dissonance we're having around this whole situation. Most people see the slavery and the genocide as just an abstract, and they don't wrap their minds around it at all. And then people at the top see it as, yeah, that's how you do it. That's mm-hmm. my thought. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it goes it, back to what Timon was saying, the, the long history of, of the upper class not wanting to pay labor. <laughs> and yeah or fan of crap you know yeah exactly which it's funny uh i i go to the the uh for for the intros and where i find out what national day it is uh i was i was reading the their description of how to celebrate juneteenth and you know it was it was it was some some 
Did they tell you it was rude? No, they they <laughs> did say you know uh, have a barbecue. I think, uh, but I, I think that was as close <laughs> as they went. They they did have some legit suggestions, like you know read a book, uh, watch a documentary on Juneteenth, and considering the the post pandemic economy, one of the things I was thinking is pay people what they fucking deserve for the job you want them to do. That's a, uh-huh. that's a great way to celebrate Juneteenth, I think. And, uh, and yet you, you don't have to be black on either side of the equation to, to do that. I think that's, uh-huh. you know, well, it, it, that's why I was saying, David, always, sometimes it'll turn into a, cause you started Juneteenth and then you go, well, damn, what, well, what came next? Then we had reconstruction. Then you had to go through the black codes. Then you had the 13th amendment, 14th amendment, 15th, you know, and then you got to, then bam, now you got to go through Jim Crow. So you, you were asking for, hell, we'd have a whole bunch of damn holidays, if, you know, of all the different adjustments that black people had to make just to live here, just to be in this country. And as much as they gave, it was never enough because every time there had to be another adjustment made in order to, to, to do things. And they never, you know, those massacres and everything that were happening – as I always say, they just wanted to have what everyone else had. That's it. That would I mean if that was the case, we could have been we we've been killing white folks a long time ago. <laughs> you know, Harry Tubman, Harry Tubman, you know, hey, we we could have been having all kinds of Nat Turners going around, but we didn't, and it didn't matter because most of them, most of the people, uh, the slaves were snitching on each other anyway. There was always infiltration. There was always, you know, the reason why a lot of them never got as far as uh say an underground railroad was because other slaves were snitching that's why harriet tubman carried a shotgun she said well i'm going back she said no you won't if you do you're (laughs) dead not on foot (laughs) you're not gonna get you don't get the discussion that you that you would like but i think it, it hopefully you know if you have those white friends or hispanic or even i mean i've even had the you know Drop some knowledge on some Armenian cats because Armenians will be like, well, black people need to blah, blah, blah. Well, wait a minute. You guys have been, you came over and started copying our ass anyway. And then you turned around yeah. and you wearing gold chains and whatnot. And then you turned around and it's, yeah. you guys are and, all but, And Republican. Armenians as, as well also kind of remain an insulated community to a large extent, especially in LA. Very and um, they also like, they retain their, they're able to retain their heritage. Like in a way, a lot of immigrant communities are, it goes back to like, you know, how I grew up with a lot of Russians. Like I get it. If I, you know, I see why they would, that's exactly like something that black people don't have that pretty much every other community of color has in this country is a connection to their homeland in some fashion. Right. Even if they are for, even if they are second, third, fourth, fifth generation, they most for the most part know where they they know they're part greek part russian part armenian part you know southeast asian or you know or you know or east asian or, or you know and all that type of stuff so they know they have that connection black people don't have that none of us very 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 few of us know exactly even what country we originate from and, and even if you take an ancestry and dna test and it can get you down to that tribe. We have no connection to that tribe because there's right. nobody in our family who knows anything about that. Right. So go to Africa, which is not an easy task, and go and integrate ourselves with that tribe, which is also not an easy task, in order to get any connection. And then it only comes 
from us. It's not passed down to us. We have to go learn it on our own. So there's no historical right. connection. There's no familial well, connection. Well, I, I always I talk know. about that with, uh, with immigrants also. The battle that we had to do for civil rights, to get the civil rights bill, there are people from other countries who are riding on the backs of the people who had to die to get those civil rights, get that exactly. bill passed, as well as even voting. So when you come from another country, you got to see that, you know, don't look at the old oh, black people are just complaining or the Jews are just complaining. No, damn it. We had to fight for this shit. Somebody had to die for you to come in and collect the benefit uh-huh. of that, you know, yeah. because, yeah, they, they you, you actually you you saw you know made it easier for them to come here and establish themselves and the the jews complaining gave us something to do on sundays uh sit around (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not bad it gave us our show of shows (laughs) it it could be better Yeah, it's you know the the long tradition of suffering that is that is shared by both our peoples. Um, yeah. But speaking from my own experience, both sides of my family were in the food business when they immigrated. Uh, my great grandfather on my dad's side was a milkman in his shtetl, uh, and my my mom's side of the family were fishmongers. So a lot of the the recipes that I grew up with, you know, aside from yeah the the Italian stuff my mom made that I was talking about before, but it was sort of presented to me more as as Jewish food than Ukrainian food or Hungarian food, and you know I was talking on on the show I think last week about you know how my dad used to enjoy giving me hot peppers and a lot of fun uh but the way he described a lot of the foods that he grew up with i i was not interested to this day i i still have not had jellied chicken feet and and i'm okay with that <laughs> and what was that other stuff he gave you that you said smells so bad Dave? oh well that that's not jewish stuff that's durian that's something he picked up when he you know started traveling that's around asia. asia right yeah well you know about that too Durian? Oh, yeah. yeah. The uh, king of fruits, it smells like, some, to some people, it smells like caramel. To most people, it smells like garbage that's been left in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> you well, know, if you ever wanted to know that God was a trickster, the durian fruit, you'd be on a damn desert island and stuff, you find this big, <laughs> fat-ass fruit, you're like, oh, man, I'm about to drink out this one. I'm about to eat it. And you throw a rock and you knock it off the tree first try and it hits the ground and it cracks open and it smells like the devil's ass. <laughs> and, and, and that's what you got to eat. So you got to figure out some kind of way to eat this damn thing. Yeah, but then the, the dude that you're shipwrecked with is like, it tastes like it tastes like a caramel apple. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. It's like, you, and you're, you're like, are you insane? Has, has the sun driven you crazy? Well, I think it, it must be sl- not... Yeah, related in the botanical sense, but uh, like cilantro, there are some people who it tastes mm-hmm. yeah. like soap, uh, yeah. and then there are other yeah. people who who enjoy it. So, yeah, like yeah. if you ever see it, like watch like YouTube, like kids try durian, and you'll see it. It's always like like it'll, it'll be six kids, and five of them will be like, "This is the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted <laughs> in my whole life." And I know I'm only eight, but I know it, this is the end all be all of grossness. 
and then one kid will be like, "It's delicious." Yeah. <laughs> and and well, you can hear all the adults in the room gagging off just the smell alone. What I was going to say, and you know, <laughs> if if you're not looking at at color or race that is another way for for kids to decide who they're going to be mean to so yeah. <laughs> that that one kid i uh, it, durian brings it every day <laughs> it, and, it, and a tuna sandwich that got to be microwave because it's a tuna melt oh dude <laughs> oh, that's awful that's, yeah that's there's just there is there's no excusing some kitchen behavior and it it reminds me of a quote that sort of blew up this week that i i thought was interesting there is no happiness in life there's only a mirage on the horizon so cherish that i had no idea vladimir putin was a goth which Seems interesting. That was him in his press conference after his meeting with Biden. That's uh, so cynical. No wonder. Jesus Christ. Take your shirt off and ride horses. Don't talk. God damn it. That's so cynical. I don't like that at all. I, you know, I, I gotta say, and this, this may be my Ukrainian side coming out, but it's, you know, for, for a, a nationality that maybe not known for, the uh, method of death of going out to get eaten by wolves on purpose. I, I go out to let let wolves eat, not your problem. And, you know, I think that's in my blood because uh, I live fairly close to Griffith Park. And, you know, I hope to live uh, long enough that someday I will reach a ripe old age when I realize it's time to go to the park and let the mountain lions and coyotes have at. So... Uh, something I find interesting, but in, in the sort of gamut of everything else we've been talking about with Juneteenth and teaching the aspect of American history that, that is known as black history that's been left out for so long, I think, you know, well, I can enjoy Putin's quote as, you know, someone who deals with depression and, and you know, likes hanging out with goths. But I think if, if you look at, you know, for all of the alleged advancements that Russia has made, this is, this is still their, their outlook. And, and I think this needs to be taken into consideration in terms of international relations. It's like, you know, it doesn't excuse the, the cyber terrorism and, and, killing dissidents, Novichuk throwing people out of windows. Although props to Biden for being a great leader. I was a little upset that he didn't at least try and kill Putin with Novichok this week because how hilarious would that have been if if Vladimir Putin got Novichok poisoning and then had to try and convince people that he didn't accidentally poison himself? <laughs> well, it's like uh, Joe, Joe Biden had to get uh, uh, an immunity to Iocane powder before he went up in there. <laughs> Never match with with a Biden when death is on the line. <laughs> He'd be one more like, listen here, Jack. <laughs> I, I just, I think it would have been hilarious though, like if Biden did it and and pulled it off. And it just, oh, right. Joe Biden, 
is is gonna pull off a move like that come on it, it like <laughs> his reputation from the people who well, hate him is his greatest defense in that so maybe well, for the next putin meeting well that's that and that always bothered me about about politics at large if you really think about it most of the time the reason why we have representatives besides the fact that it makes a, a ruling class that has the has the money and has access to the money and a lot of people it puts a lot of people on the outside besides that part besides that part i think they're really i think it's really a study in trying to keep keep us out of the actual decisions that are made about the allocations of of resources you know what i mean because like i i think with all these things that we can throw out to obfuscate us from like what we really want i mean there was a there's a meme about like juneteenth holiday and it was a kid stepping over uh police reform and healthcare and all types of stuff all this other stuff that we would need but it's like we got a holiday that's kind of a grim one for black people yeah that's dope <laughs> You know what I mean? It's 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 I don't know. It's it's the uh, it is the iocane powder of seed. It's moving moving it around. Like you turn around and they move some stuff around, and then you move some stuff around. We keep trying to play this game. The bottom line is, yeah. it seems like the people on the other side of the aisle all the time, from us talking to other countries to us talking to ourselves, we always have to perceive them as somebody who wants to kill us. I personally, on a lot of levels, perceive Republicans as people who wouldn't mind if I died. Mm-hmm. And that's how the conversation starts, period. That being the case, think about talking to freaking uh, Putin. He murders people straight up. I'm, I feel like I'm endangering myself by saying that. But, like, he and his government have murdered people straight up. He lives in, 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 a, in, a, in a house on stilts in the middle of a haunted forest for real, like a Bond <laughs> villain. And, and like for real, look up, look up his house. His house is on stilts that that are basically like a space elevator up into lower orbit, and he's high above the forest. And it's like it's lit from within with a with a with a with a with a lava fire. It, it, he he is you know that's what I'm saying. Biden sits across from that sort of villainy, and and if you think about it, you trying to come to an accord with somebody who straight murders their citizens and all this kind of shit. Wait, are we you still talking about? Well. I was going to say, are you still talking about Putin, yeah. or are you talking about the Republicans now? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just all the way around. I'm saying either way you look at it, it becomes these people who perceive themselves as good, which is the Democrats, talking to people they perceive as evil, and trying to come to some accord. And when you really step back from it, why do I got to come into accord with somebody who like literally doesn't think I'm a person? Why yeah. do I? Why do I have to come to accord with somebody who? out and out murders their citizens and has tried to sabotage our election process many, many times. And has tried to ruin a lot of things that we're trying to do over here many, many times, constantly popping up all over the world, messing with us for 50 years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, it just, it's just bothersome that our political process is, hey, I remember you were a little kid and then somebody said, go play with that kid. Go play with that kid that murdered your mom. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's politics. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the the politics is responding to that with what's in it for me. That I think is the, the coup de grace, but strange bedfellows and whatnot. There are certain situations where, you know, you don't go to negotiate with the opponents you want. You go to negotiate with the opponents you have. And Mm -hmm. if it, comes down to walking out of the room going, all right, that bitch is crazy and we're not fucking doing anything with these people anymore. 
you know, at least you gave it the shot. And, you know, it's, it's like one of the sort of recurring themes on this show, you know, Timon talks about what the, the pandemic or the Trump insurrection and not just January 6th, the whole process, what it brought out into the open. And it's good that awareness of fuckery is growing, but like with Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday, now that we know, what are we going to do about it? So I think that is that is our own mirage on the horizon that we should cherish for now. But I think recognizing that it's a mirage, you know, you can cherish it while still going nice, but there's still plenty of work to be done because that's not real and way off in the distance. So let us make our mirages real and bring the distance closer. And with that, uh, I want to wish all of you here on the panel and everyone who's listening a happy Juneteenth. Uh, I want to thank you guys for making the time. It is, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's always great to have you on, but uh, even more significant, you know, to me when it's like you actually choose to spend the time on on these days of significance. So thank you for that. Uh, Mr. Ed Greer, always great to have you on. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? Uh, well, they can check me out at, at The Greatest Pod. It's on every single podcast uh, uh, apparatus you can think of. So, uh, yeah, the, the Greatest Pod. We also have a, a Podbean uh, website where we have, we're housing our episodes. But, again, you can get it on Apple Podcast, uh, Two Dead, Stitcher, Apple, Spreaker, whatever. Any, anything you Spotify. want to listen to it on. How about the ones that people actually use? I'm, I'm doing the obscure ones, babe. All right, anyway. Um, uh Oh, I can't get it on Spotify. Never mind. Then I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely on damn Spotify. It's even on Pandora. Nice. Uh, so the but uh, and also check me out on Reboot It. Uh, on Reboot It, uh, we just kind of take uh, movie properties that they're gonna reboot anyway, and we do it ourselves in about an hour and a half. Hey, and where uh, can it's find Reboot It. It's on YouTube, Johnson. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> with this. Listen, I'm trying to become a housewife. Oh, okay. I can't well, do that if you don't tell people properly how to find your stuff, so we can get this YouTube money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting YouTube money. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, thank you guys very much for uh, listening to us rabble. But uh, on rebooted, we definitely do try to uh, add something to the discourse. We're 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 trying to like you know see what the future of entertainment could be, and uh, we have a good time doing it. And it's not just us being like, "Hey, this is our fan version." <laughs> we improv it right there on the spot, and we have to deal with each other's notes and stuff. So it's a real it's a real look into a creative process, actually. Oh, nice! Right on. And on the socials, Ed Greer destroys. So yeah, at Ed Greer destroys on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, the greatest pod is also on Instagram. The underscore greatest underscore pod. Uh, I'd love for people to follow that. We have lots of pictures and memes and uh, nerd culture bits. Right on. So get on that, people. Ed, thank you so much for being here. Clee Wiggins, always great to have you on as well. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? 
Um, so just follow me on Twitter at Clee Wiggins. Follow me on Instagram at Clee Wiggins SF if you want to see my mac and cheese and all the other things that I cook. Um, I'm also part of the movie trivia showdown on Teen Corruption, which we are killing it this season. Um, a couple of my matches are up. You can see me versus Sabrina Ramirez. You can also see me on my two black um, cinema exhibition matches. One that we did for Black History Month and another one that just dropped yesterday for Juneteenth. Um, I have another match coming up in the next couple of weeks versus Brittany Young from Glow. So the TV show Glow on Netflix. Uh, great show. A lot of fun. So you can see that. Uh, in a, probably uh, maybe three, two to three weeks, I think it'll be dropping because I think we're taping it in the next couple of days. So just keep an eye out. Just put, watch the movie trivia showdown, Team Corruption all the way. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being here. Great to have you. Mr. Time and Ship, always a pleasure. Should you so desire, where can people catch up with you and what you've got going on online or in person in the coming days, weeks, and months? Uh, time and ship at Twitter, time and ship at Facebook, time and ship at Instagram. Also, uh, you can get my book, My East St. Louis, on Amazon.com, uh, as well as my comedy CD, Universal Brothers, on Spotify and uh, CD Baby. Excellent. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. If you have, check it out again. Me, I'm Dr. David Robinson. You can find me on the Facebook at dr.david.robinson. On the Twitter, I am at standupfalldown. And on Instagram, I believe I am the Dr. Robinson. So find me there. And if you've made it this far into the show, you probably already know, but it bears repeating that we are on the socials as well on Facebook. It is Let's Be Treasonable, all spelled out. And on the Twitter, we are at L-E-T-S-B-T-R-E-A-S-O-N-A-B-L. We take off the E's and pass the savings on to you the listener. Speaking of you, the listener, I want to thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, tell everyone you know, rate and review us on the platforms where you're listening, even the platforms where you're not, if you got the time and the inclination. If you didn't like what you heard, well, not sure why you stuck around, but thanks for listening this far in. Make you a deal. You don't tell anyone, we won't tell anyone. Everybody's happy. Cool. We cool. We will be back next week in one form or another until then goodbye Bye. Bye.